When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where, where the, the streets, streets and, and politics, politics meet. meet. There's a lot of stuff happening, but today we've got to keep our show tight because we're covering a very, 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 very significant story. We're talking about Tanisha Chappelle. She died in an Indiana jail. Um, and in, in just in, in July, so this is a very recent situation, and we've been covering it and talking on our social media, but we know that it is not easy to uh, get the attention of the world when Black women die, um, and particularly when they die at the hands of the state uh, and those people who are supposed to protect us. And so it takes a lot of work, and I'm glad to see that uh, many of the blogs are starting to pick up the story. I saw the, ja the Jasmine brand talking about it after I had asked them um, to please cover this situation. Uh, and by the way, just to give a shout out to Roland Martin, as he was the first uh, journalist to take on the story of Tanisha Ch Chappelle uh, from a uh, you know from a from a, a very serious perspective. I mean, he he put you know uh, a lot of the footage into his coverage to really give a serious view into what took place in that jail when Tanisha became sick and begged for help for hours, literally uh, for two days. She was sick and no one did anything to help her. And then she died. Um, and I don't want to you know, give too much sort of in this sort of pre-context about the situation because we're going to be joined today by her sister who has been a serious advocate. She's really been on the front lines fighting for her sister, um, really supporting her mother. Um, and she's going to be joining us and also the attorney for the family who we, many of us learned about and got to know uh, through Breonna Taylor's family because he was that family attorney as well. He still is. 
Um, uh, his name is Sam Aguiar. And now he is the attorney for Tanisha Chappelle's family. And so he's going to be joining us also today. So we've got to save a lot of time to make sure that we get them on and are able to hear from them and really sort of just figure out what we can do. So that's that on that. But let's talk about what's been going on in the news, because there is a lot happening, a lot happening. Um, you know, I think that too many people are either so tired, so busy trying to get back into the, the, the real world, if you will. They've got a lot going on. That's one side. Then there are people who are just willfully ignorant and some folks who are not necessarily ignorant, but just unwilling to deal with the stress of what is happening in the media. Uh, but I think people need to be very, very mindful that what we see in terms of this war that has just begun in the last few days, the last three Three days, um, we saw Russia uh, go in and 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 invade Ukraine, um, and a, a lot of people I see them online saying we can't be worried about other people's affairs. That doesn't impact us. We've got our own stuff to deal with, and I agree. I agree a hundred percent that there is too much happening right here on U.S. soil um, that we have to address and that we have to still be fighting for. And we can't allow the federal government to be so caught up in dealing with international affairs that they somehow overlook the voter suppression that's happening in this country because there are elections happening all over the country where I'm hearing people say that there are voter suppression efforts. I just had a conversation with Lee Merritt, who's running for attorney general um, in Texas. And he said that there's so many different issues happening with ballots being closed, you know, the, uh, excuse me, polling locations being being closed because of ice um, and the cold that is there in Texas, uh, but then also uh, mail-in ballots being rejected at the largest numbers that they have ever seen in Texas uh, since they've been accepting mail-in ballots. And when they try to reach out to the federal government, it's like, well, there's a lot going on with Ukraine. So I understand that. But nonetheless, if we know anything about war, and we understand that our government is going to get involved because America is the superpower at the table, at the table with NATO, um, which is where all of the, the sort of the, the state of the union, which means all of these um, countries come together. Um, and as we get involved and we start putting sanctions on Russia, knowing that the previous administration already gave the keys to the castle to Russia. We know what they did with the election when Donald Trump ran against Hillary Clinton. We saw them um, with the bots online and the cyber attacks that we received. And so they haven't changed. In fact, they've already started to launch cyber attacks against the banking system and systems and other things in Ukraine. So that is going to be our reality very soon. Gas prices are already high. We're already in inflation, but this will cause more devastation, which will ultimately trickle down to more gun violence and more issues in our community. So that's what I have to say about it. I don't know what you think, but this is not something that we can ignore. World War III is, um, is upon us. And we know that American troops, our children, will also be impacted by what is taking place overseas. I think a lot for a lot of us, you know, for, war is so far removed. It's like this, this, this thing you see in the movies and you hear about, you know, we come from a generation where we haven't really experienced 
war in that in that you know capacity. So a lot of it, it's not real to us, right? And a lot of times, you know, I remember seeing it like you know wars fought on foreign lands. It doesn't really touch. But as we grow, we understand the the financial you know effects that war has on everybody. You know, as you said, America being the superpower and having allies. You know, when war is it happens, we have to protect our interests in some regards. You know, if, if we are trading with countries, if you know we have different um, business deals and, and and deals that we have going on with these countries, then we have to be involved in these wars. And ultimately, like you said, these people will have our babies sign up for wars. You know, we already have our military will be in there. You know, lives will be lost. You know, there's a lot of things that come with war. So when we think that it doesn't affect us, it's not really accurate at all. You know, it's, it's actually quite the opposite. It affects us a lot. We, we, like you said, our previous administration pretty much gave Russia the keys. You know, they were able to be able to infringe upon our election. So if they have any type, they have that technology and they have the skill level, when you talk about banks, you know, our banking system and them being able to attack our banks and our money, then that's going to hurt us in, in a big way. You know, and, and I was like I was saying today, you know, we never know war is such a crazy thing because we don't know what we're fighting for most of the time. Right. Every country that's going to war has a completely different narrative about why the war is. You know, I was listening to CNN. And we have a narrative here why the war is. And then Putin is saying that he's protecting people who have been, you know, have been prisoners and have been, their will have been opposed upon them. He's protecting people, you know? So when you look at both sides, everybody thinks that their plight and their reason for war is just. And it's just so crazy. And, and us as just civilians, and citizens who live in the country, we don't know nothing but what the news tells us. We don't know, right. like when we, especially when we, and we, when we pay attention to prior wars, right? When we look about how the war, when um, drugs were being and guns were being sent to different countries, and they were being funded by one person, one people were funding, and all these things, we didn't know what we were fighting for. We were told this was the reason we were fighting. We always told that this is one reason we fight, and then we find out years later that it's over sudden totally different. So you know, I just it's just an unfortunate situation. We just live in real crazy times, and technology makes it so much more easy to not to get information, but also to lie. Mm -hmm. to trick information to you know yeah. to give you misinformation, misinformation and disseminate right. it so fast that nobody knows what's going on so right now i don't know what the hell is going on i know what people are telling me we're fighting over that, that ukraine and russia and everything is fighting over but i actually don't know what the hell it is and i don't think we ever will until you know the, there's a whistleblower right. and somebody starts to divulge the information right. of what really happened because it, it's just so it's so ironic that as soon as you know the prior administration was buddy buddy with Putin. You know, as soon as this happens, now it's war. Like, I just don't know what these chess plays that these people are making and how, you know, how they they, they pretty much gamble with our lives. Yeah, gamble with our lives. And I tell you, the trauma that people are experiencing from all of this stuff, it's a lot. You know, I um speaking of trauma, just looking at this week, we uh, won in the civil rights matter. Um, the federal government was able to secure conviction 
of hate crimes against the McMichaels and the other guy, I don't even know his name and I'm not even gonna try to remember it, but the murderers of Ahmaud Arbery. And it's a win for sure. And listen, we talk about accountability and justice and we know that justice looks like not even having Ahmaud Arbery dead, right? Not even having to talk about this and have his mother and father and others uh, struggling and stressing and fighting, fighting to try to get a little bit of accountability. Um, we don't want to see any more Ahmaud Arbery's. And so we know that that's what real true justice looks like. Uh, a, a, a world where our young babies, boys, um, and, and men, and of course, women as well. But in this particular situation, just thinking of a young man, um, that, that they would be safe. That's real justice. And accountability was having the men convicted in the state court, right? That was accountability. But I would say that the federal hate crimes laws starts leaning in the direction of justice only if we can get the federal government to look at this not as just Ahmaud Arbery, but to look at hate crimes that are being inflicted upon our people around this nation. And that includes policing. It includes just white supremacy in general. Um, and, and that's what real justice needs to, to look like and what we need to be pushing towards. We can't stop, right? Because uh, and I know the trauma, as you said, it's a, it's a heavy time because you go up in terms of getting a conviction of uh, the McMichaels and in the, the Ahmaud Arbery matter, but then you turn around and in the Dante Wright situation, you have an officer only receive 18 months um, in, in jail after murdering this young boy. So we know that there's always pushback. And, and it's not gonna be easy. Like we don't get to fight a little bit or just win in Ahmaud Arbery and then the movement shuts down and people go home because you still have the Dante rights and so many other people that need justice. And so, you know, I, I, I just, I'm happy that it happened, but I can imagine what Wanda Cooper and, um, and Ahmaud's father, what they have been through. Yeah, they've, they've been through a lot, man. And, you know, just, looking at this whole situation, like you said, it's moving towards justice. Account is definitely accountability, but it's moving towards justice. And, um, you know, they actually declared February 23rd, Ahmaud Arbor every day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, uh, you, know, you, you, you celebrate, you, we, we would rather, I know the parents in the world would rather have Ahmaud Arbery, but you know- what Arbery, his Arbery. name is Arbery, okay. Arbery. Arbery. <laughs> I apologize, Miss Cooper, don't kill me. <laughs> but um yes, the world would rather have, and I know Miss Miss Cooper would definitely rather have her son. But to see that change is slowly happening because of a situation, and and people are being held accountable and moving towards justice, you know, is definitely something that makes us believe that our fight isn't in vain. You know, because I'm not gonna lie, being a part of this movement, being on the front line, sometimes. It's, you know, you get to air out your whistle, man. It's just like, yeah. man, we just fighting. We just fighting a no, a no win battle. You know, like we always say, we our goal is to never have to work again. You know, we don't have a job. We got to go. So Put us we, out. We, that's right. That's but, right. But, you know, unfortunately, that's not the reality. So we just going to keep on fighting, moving in the right direction. You know, and, and we, and we and see- And shout, shout out to Wanda Cooper for calling out 
um, the DOJ and everybody in between. And shout out to, to Kristen Clark. Um, she is the Assistant Attorney General for the, the Civil Rights Division at the Department of Justice. And I know her, I know her very well. Um, and I know that her heart is really in this and that she wants to do the right thing. But nevertheless, when you work within the system, just like us, we work in the movement, we get challenged all the time. She's going to be challenged also. Her back is going to be pushed against the wall. Um, uh, Merrick Garland, he as our, uh, as the, 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 the top cop in America, his back is going to be pushed against the wall. I don't care how many times he cries on TV, how much they make it sound like they so upset and everybody, people are going to push them. And Wanda Cooper called them out and said, if it had not been for us fighting to stop you from giving a plea deal to these men where they would be actually have to go to court and, 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 and face their, the music for what they did. They can't just cover it up and disappear. No, they got to go to court. That's what she wanted. She wanted them to be convicted in the court and they did it. The, the, the Department of Justice did their job after being told, no, a plea deal will not work. The community stood with them. And so shout out to Ms. Cooper for standing there and saying, I'm the one. We made you do this to get this conviction today. Yes, Ms. Cooper is badass. She don't play no games. That lady don't play no games. First time no I met game. her, I never saw a smile one time. Oh, nope, she never smiled. She was always there. She was loving. Loving. Very that loving, but the time. smile was not there, man. She she warmed up to us, and she became our family, but that lady don't play no games. She doesn't. So we were honored this week. I wasn't able to go because I was one of those people in contact with um, the attorney, the, the, um, Lieutenant Governor of New York State, Brian Benjamin, uh, who contracted COVID and he was positive and we were hugging and whatever else. And so I had to get tested and PCRs take 24 hours and dotted all of the things. So I wasn't able to be there, but we did receive a special honor this week. You attended, you were honored as well. So tell us about what happened. Yeah, shout out to the Windows of Hip Hop. Um, and the Elements Awards, the Hip Hop Elements Awards, they um, honored us for our contribution to, you know, the hip hop culture through civil rights and through our activism. And uh, it was a beautiful event. Shout out to my brother Amadeus. Shout out to Melly Mel, Grandmaster Cass. Shout out to every Vanessa L. Gibson, who was in the house. Um, our Bronx was, Borough President. Our Bronx Borough President. It was a real, very nice event. You know, um, I've been there, this is probably my third time I was there when they honored Fat Joe. So me and you were amongst the honorees along with Amadeus and A Boogie who wasn't able to make it either, who was got caught from a flight from across seas that couldn't make it in time. So, but it was a beautiful event, man. So shout out to them for honoring me. It's always a, a beautiful thing to be honored by your home. You know, mm. I've been screaming BX and Bronx as a hip hop artist for so long and representing that so long. So when you're recognized and honored by the people that you actually stand for is a different feeling. So shout out to them. Well, I'm happy that you were on. When they said they were honoring me, I was like, I kind of get how, you know, I try my best to make sure that I'm relevant in the culture, but I see you being that honoree even more. 
Um, and while it was ha happening, the awards was happening, I was so sad that I wasn't there, but I text you like, you really deserve this because you do represent the Bronx. And, you know, and as an artist, I don't think that people, and, and you're not alone. It's a lot of artists out here that are not properly um, noticed for the work that you guys do. And just being an artist, dealing with all the stuff that comes with artistry. Um, I've watched you do that. And I know how challenging it is, especially to try to go against sort of the, um, the, the trend and really stay true to your, to your artistic flavor and who you are. So I'm proud of you and proud of us. And thank you so much to the elements. What is it called again? The elements. The hip hop elements. The hip hop elements uh, for giving us that that honor. So speaking of artists, you know, I um, and you and I have had war to war battles off screen about this issue with uh, Meg Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez. And, you know, my thought of the day today is around that. I, I think my thought of the day is that Black women are so tired. We are so tired that it's at the point where I'm so triggered by what is happening to Meg Thee Stallion that yesterday, among my own being tired for everything that I have going on, I literally started to cry. It's not that there are people out there who probably are like, oh, that's because you just have decided that um, you know, she, that, that, that Tory Lane shot her and you and I have had debate about this because when, the, when she first said that she was shot, which by the way, she didn't say anything in the beginning, but at the time that she was certainly, certainly being antagonized by him. And she came out and said, you shot me. You were an advocate from then to say, why would she lie? If she says that he shot her, then I'm going to believe her until he proves that he didn't. And there was a lot of back and forth about that. And eventually, after you and I went back and forth, because and my position wasn't that he did or he didn't, but my position was more so that because there is so little information out there, the way in which you advocate for her, you have to be careful because he could go out and start suing people saying that folks are, you know, making accusations against him and defaming his character. And you might be caught up in that. So, you know, we went back and forth on what was the best way for you to approach it. And then one day I woke up and saw that you posted that, you know what, I thought about it and I want to apologize for um, the way in which I'm, I am, I'm stating this because I don't know exactly what happened, but I just don't believe that this woman has a reason to make up a lie. So, and I know you had some back and forth, you know, all of that, all the things that happened. So, I sat and really have just watched, which I would hope that most people would do the same thing, right? No one is saying. I am not saying that because I'm triggered by what is going on with her now, that that's because I know for sure that Tory Lane shot Meg Thee Stallion. That is not my position at all. My position is that none of us know what happened, right? None of us know. But there is a woman who is a victim. She is a victim. And she says that she was shot. And the way that she is being treated and what makes it triggering to me is that she is being treated very similarly 
to other women who have come forward in their lives to report rape, domestic violence, and other very serious issues. It is always our fault and that our story doesn't make sense. And people finding ways to chastise us, to demean us. This, I see all these people saying on Tory Lane's side, and I don't disagree with them. Let's wait and see. But even yesterday, excuse me, but even the other day after I posted about how triggering this whole situation is, there were people who even when they say wait and see, they still lean towards saying because she's lying or it doesn't sound right or her story doesn't sound right and therefore we should wait and see. My problem and the reason why I'm saying that I'm being triggered by how she's being treated it is not even so much as what it, it, as 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 what is specifically going on with her and um and this Tory Lane situation, except the fact that every few months, every few months, I see people coming at her for different reasons. I'm not saying that she's perfect or not, but I've seen what she goes through. I met the sister um, and and have had much conversation with her and believe her to be somebody who's really just trying to grow. But I don't say that she's perfect because I'm not perfect. Because I know that there's shit that I've done and things that I've said, that's not right. But it's an onslaught, it seems, that whenever you become a successful woman, you have to deal with people punching and kicking at you from every direction. And in the last week, this woman has been fighting with men, fighting with radio hosts and TV people every single day there's been something and it's really 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 triggering like I'm really I'm exhausted we are black women fight and then we have to fight black women too because in most of these on most of the blogs you see a lot of black women you see a lot of fake pages and you see a lot of black women out there talking down and saying that she's you know oh oh I, I you know I don't believe her well why why don't you just I'm not saying that you have to accept whatever she says, but why not be real about this idea that we have to just wait and see what happens as the trial um, continues? I just don't get it. And, it and, and, and for me, I'm trying to figure out why does the world hate Black women the way in which it does? And why do we as Black women hate ourselves so much? I think for me, right? You know, like like you like we stated from the beginning, I just never seen a reason. I have yet to know somebody who said somebody shot them and he saw them that wasn't telling the truth. I, I, that's just something I don't know. So I don't know why in this instance we would think it would be anything different. You know, somebody who obviously had some level of relationship, some level of friendship. I don't think somebody would just lie about who shot them. That's just me personally. You know, so when when I just understanding that reality. That was my first thing. But just watching the way the men have handled this situation, you know, just watching the way that, you know, a man is aware that somebody shot this woman, she's traumatized. Whatever it is, if you didn't do it, this and that, the, the way that you're utilizing your platforms, the way these men are utilizing these platforms to try to degrade this woman and try to, to just continue to just 
gaslight her and do shit to her. It's just unbelievable. I just don't know men who move in this fashion. I just do not know men that move like this. Like if she was going there, she's saying this and you knew you didn't do this. You was like, look, we're going to court. We're going to figure this out. I got evidence, whatever it is. But to, to purposely keep coming out, disrespecting this woman, making music and trying to talk about her, having other fucking whack ass blog sites arguing talking to this woman this way it's just disgusting to me and i just don't know men who move like this it's it's also you know disheartening to see other women coming at this lady and it's like we just we went through all this anita hill and believe woman and kavanaugh shit and now a woman says she's being shot and people are sitting there acting like she lied and it's to me i'm like then what was i out there with this Kavanaugh shit for? What was I, what was I doing all this for? What was I risking my freedom for? If a woman, if we supposed to believe some woman we never seen before, never heard before, ain't from our culture, never nothing about something that happened 40 years ago, but we can't believe a black woman last week that said somebody, that told you somebody shot her a week after she got shot. Like, right. I just don't understand this shit. It's like, it's mind boggling to me. It is completely mind boggling. And then it's not even just that, it's that people come with false information and lies. They said, well, she said this and she did this and they said this and they said they got this. And they said, and it's like, no, well, where did you get that from? Right. Where you, why, 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 do y'all, why do y'all come with lies and you're not doing any research at all? You're not because doing Because there's any, a not... big difference between saying that there was no DNA and saying that the DNA is inconclusive. Right. There's a big difference in that. Inconclusive means there's DNA here, possibly. And there and but there may be reasons why we are unable to identify exactly who is who's the person who it matches. Right. In gun situations, it ain't going to be no deal. Most it of always, time, it's not always going to wipe the gun off. If I shot right. you. And I know the police is coming. I'm wiping the gun off. That's exactly. that's just common sense. So that that don't have really nothing to do with the reality exactly. of a whole situation. Exactly. When people would rather point at some dumb shit like that to try to discredit somebody. It just doesn't make sense. It and just at the end of the day, stupid. it could mean that he didn't do it. Right? It could. Nobody. It could. We don't know. I mean, we don't know. But we don't know. And and the problem with it is like you said. We don't know, but we know there is a woman who is claiming that she was shot and therefore there should be some deference to that, I would think, right? Or is it preference? I don't freaking know. There should be people who say, well, the fact that she even is claiming that she was shot, that means that I need to listen, right? I need to watch closely. And I need not just jump because, oh, DNA was inconclusive, then it didn't happen and she's a liar. That does not mean that. People have been raped and they've been unable to get the rape kit properly and find the person uh, DNA on a woman's body. We don't know. There's so much more that has to come out. And I'm just saying that we are constantly leaning in the direction of the woman lie every time. Every single time. And you want to know why it takes people five years, 10 years, 15 years to come out with their story if they're saying that somebody raped them, right? You, you, you wonder why it takes them that long because they don't want to even deal with it. They don't want to deal with women, men, other people, their jobs and everybody else chastising them, ostracizing them. They don't want to deal with it. 
It's just so hurtful. Like I could just break down because, and, and again, it's not because I'm sitting here saying, oh, I know for sure. I know who shot who and what happened. No, I don't know. But I know that that black woman deserves for people to really seriously, to take seriously her claims and to stop victimizing her over and over again. Then they said, well, she's doing the same thing because she's online saying she's fighting for herself. She's fighting for herself. Yeah, maybe she shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't have either. When things, when people were coming at me and, and I got people lying on me saying I'm stealing from their children's memory and I got people lying on me, making up stories about all kinds of shit. And sometimes as a human, especially as a woman who feels like I don't have people in my freaking corner, sometimes I go to my page just like anybody else and I say things that maybe I shouldn't say. But we're humans. We're humans. That woman is fighting for her life. She's fighting for her life. Maybe she, God, maybe she don't really know. Maybe, maybe she think he shot her and maybe they'll, it'll come out in court that it was the person standing next to her. I don't know. She, she may not know. Maybe she does. I don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is she know it was fragments in her foot. She knows she had to go to the hospital. I'm, what knows. I'm going to say is this. I believe the woman. I'm, I'm going, I'm me this. If somebody shot me, I know who shot me. That's it. I don't give a fuck. Nobody's gonna convince me that I don't know who shot me. And I was, I didn't, nigga, I know who shot me. Right. And I'm well, always gonna know who shot Mike, me. Mike, I'm not trying to say, I'm not saying that I'm not saying what I don't saying. believe. I'm telling you what I'm saying. Right. I'm not saying that I don't believe her. What I am saying to you is that people's position that we don't know and she don't know and this and the third, I could work with all of that, right? Because because I also do understand that when a black man is accused of something, it needs to be proven, right? We, we all agree with that. So I'm just saying that I'm not going to be the one to take the authority on saying, I know for sure, bam, this is what happened. What I will say though, is that she should be treated like a victim and I am going to defer, deference was right, I am going to defer to her because she is a victim. Now, upon me learning that, that she's a liar, and we find out some other, you know, stuff that is 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 just clear that that man didn't do it. I would be the first one to say, Meg, the stallion was wrong, and that you know we should not allow people to uh to 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 get away with wrongfully accusing folks um, and, and black men particularly of stuff and then and i'll say this and we be done but i'm sure there are people who are going to say yeah but you know what about um you know this one over here a woman said this one raped her and y'all didn't say nothing what we're saying is that that woman deserves to be heard also woman over here a woman from my childhood the woman down the street the woman with brett kavanaugh the woman with everybody that you're talking about all these women deserve to be heard period seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at black tech green money state farm insurance also cares about the growth of black communities they're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, 
a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements. Along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's how we own it. That's how we own it. So as promised, uh, we're being joined by Romisha Morell, the sister of Tanisha Chappelle, um, who died, as I said, in an Indiana jail. Um, after having been there, she was apprehended and had been in jail for some time. I believe she was there for three months um, and was waiting to face um, a trial, if you will, or to go to court for the charges that she was there for. And somehow or another, she got sick and died. And people, as far as I'm concerned, don't care enough. Um, we have seen video, we are watching video, which you um, have seen some of it already in this show and we'll see more um, of, of how her last hours of life were so traumatizing and inhumane. And yet to get international attention for this young woman, we haven't seen it. And a part of it has to do with Tanisha being a woman, because we know that too often women are ignored. But then when we talk about the prison system, jails, there's men, women, and people of, of, of you know, all different gender, um, gender choices, if you will, who die all the time and nothing is done about it. The system is flawed. And the way in which Tanisha died, if we don't raise our voices about this, who cares what they accuse her of? When you get inside of the jail and you haven't even gone to trial to be convicted of said crime, 
There is no way the treatment should be inhumane. I don't care if you murdered 20 people. Still, there is, there is supposed to be human rights inside of a jail. And what happened to Tanisha was not. It was, it was a total violation of her human and civil rights. And I don't know, Mice, if you want to jump in before we bring Ronisha, who has been such an advocate for her sister, uh, to speak on, on you know, her family and what they're going through. No, I just, you know, I, I remember everything you said, man. Watching those videos, you know, it, it just sent chills to me. And being formally incarcerated and understanding the, the likelihood of that happening on the regular is even more. Because when you try to explain to people that that's what happens in prison, you know, or jail, they don't believe that. They don't believe that the disregard for human life when you inside, you incarcerated, is that high. You know, listening to this, this young lady scream and cry all night of how sick she was, how she was throwing up and, and, and she was like, she couldn't, like all of these things and to just constantly be ignored or just treated like you was trash and nobody even cares enough to see what's going on with you. The level of negligence and, and, and just the, the huge, the disregard for human life for me there was just unbelievable, man. It was, to me, it's just as equivalent to the man standing on George Floyd neck as he screamed, mm -hmm. I can't breathe. You know, it's the same thing. If you, if you watch, if you literally watching someone die as they tell you that they, they're, they're in pain and they're throwing up and you, and you don't see any reason to help that person like that, I, that's not even human nature. My nature, I couldn't sit there and allow something like that. I could not allow that. So I, I, my heart goes out to her family. You know, I met Ronisha and the passion that she has, knowing that she has to take on this fight for her sister, for her family. It's just something that I, I respect and I understand, man. It's, it's just no way that the world should not be screaming bloody murder after watching that video and hearing her cry for her life like that. It's no way. It's just no way. Well, Ronisha, thank you for joining us. And listen, thank God we have a video, right? Right. Tell us how you're feeling, first of all. You know, I want you to give us a brief overview because repetition matters. And I know you had a powerful interview, uh, two of them that you did with Roland Martin and then with The Shade Room. And so people are starting to talk about it. I even saw Cardi B pick up the Shade Room footage um, and, and the coverage, and she is telling people to watch it. Um, but also everyone has to say, but they have to put sort of that disclaimer. When you watch this, know you will be triggered. What has it been like for your family and particularly for you to watch those videos and listen to your sister in her last hours? Oh, it's been sickening. Like I have to, like it's been so many times I've watched it. So it's kind of like, I'm not numb to it, but I've watched it so much. So it's just like, when y'all see it, it's like, I done seen this a thousand times and it don't get any easier. But I've like tried to come to terms with certain things and just been an advocate for her. I think it's disgusting. Keep watching it. The people who's in there, it makes me more angry. It makes me more mad. Um, like, how could y'all, like, y'all just don't have a, a good bone in y'all body. Like, y'all evil. It's just pure evil to watch somebody scream for hours and cry for hours. And you do nothing. Like, disregard her. Like, none of her, her cry wouldn't hurt. Like, it didn't matter. Mm. It, it did matter. And she had been calling you guys 
What was she saying on the calls with the two, with you, with you and her mom? Um, like mom. with my mom, she called my mom and let my mom know that uh, one of the officers said, "Do you know the um, easiest way to get away with murder?" And she was like, "No way." And he was like, "Be a cop." And she was like, "Why would you say that to me?" And my mom was like, "Well, try to get his name or his badge or whatever." And then she had called me and let me know that she was jumped and she was cutting the neck. She also called and let me know that. Um, someone had put something in her drink, a pickle juice. She also let me know that they were saying racial slurs, putting nooses on her bed. She cried, asked, um, asked us to get her out. Like she can't do it no more. Um, she even said that if we didn't get her out, like, you know, we'll be trying to transport her dead body back to um, back to Kentucky. So she was definitely trying to warn us. And there's audio of that, of her saying, if you don't get me out of here. Everything that I just told you is full audio of it. Wow. Wow. My son, I don't know. Well, so let me ask you this. From a legal perspective, after all of that, now, did they have the videos at the time that the, obviously they did? Do you believe that the district attorney saw these same videos? Because you you guys were waiting. They were released after the DA. We were told that, they, we were told that everything was submitted to the DA was told everything was submitted. So the but DA watched these videos and determined that there was no wrongdoing and no reason. My knowledge, from my knowledge, yes. But you have That's police getting police I, to get. I don't I don't know who could watch that video and not see levels of negligence that are actually criminal. You know, the, mm -hmm. there's an intent to watch this woman die. Like when, as an officer, for you to constantly walk by or just ignore someone who's telling you that they dying. Like, I don't even understand how there's no negligence in that, you know? But for, 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 for the people who don't know Tanisha, you know, who, who the only thing they know that she's a girl that was inside of a jail, right? I want you to just give us, a, a, you know, just a brief, description of your sister and, and explain to us about who she was the person and you know how you know her to be my sister she was the baby on my mom's side she was funny like she loved to dance um she was outgoing you could tell she was younger than me so um she she just had a spirit like she made you love yourself like she lived life so unapologetically like not in a box um whatever she felt she always spoke like she would just make you laugh. Like she was literally the vibe. Like she loved to come in, turn things up. She loved, she loved kids. Like she loved her daughter. She loved my nephew. Like she just was really good with kids. Like she had a smile. She had like this little, these little stick ears. I call them, I tell people like, when you got little ears, you means you're stingy. Like she was, but she was just so sweet. Like she would laugh, joke, come over, make you feel good about yourself. Like if it was something you was down about, she was going to uplift you, uh, uplift the situation. So. Mm, that's a person full of life. And the way that she died is so traumatizing. You mentioned her daughter. And, you know, I, I'm hoping, but you can't really, because of social media, you can't really protect um, even these kids from being able to see so much traumatic uh, stuff on the Internet. But has her daughter actually been privy to like what exactly happened to her mom? Yes, um, she was actually out there the day we um, rallied in um, Jackson County. Oh, 
So she's definitely aware of what's going on. Like I speak with her. I mean, she has her days, but she's very tough. Like she mimics She's mom. with you. She stays with you, right? For- she stays with her dad. She oh, just she around me a lot. Yeah. yeah, because see, that would be the other narrative that, you know, uh, Tanisha was a single parent who didn't have uh, the father of her daughter in her life and all of these stories because they immediately turn towards trying to criminalize the victim, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, there's, again, all the stuff that happened up to her getting into jail, she was supposed to go to court for that. That was supposed to happen. And am I right? It was three months, right? Um, it was two months. It was two months. about two months. She went in um, May 26th. May 26th. And then by July 15th, 16th. July 16th. July 16th. July, right. July 16th. She was gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I'm with my son. Bloody murder. Bloody murder, right? Bloody murder. bloody murder. Um, like I told you, if you negligent homicide. That's right. Um, we can call we can call it for what it is negligent homicide because that's what they should get and that's just how I feel all of them and we can talk about every ten every ten definitely should be the first who is he's, that he's supposed to be the nurse there but he's not even an RN he's an LPN so he was in there playing like he can do something he can't do that so it's on all of their hands mm, the blood is on it's your just, hands it's just it's so unfortunate man like what can what can people do to help at this moment? You know, like we, we know what we're trying to do. We're going to try to just highlight and make sure that as much people know about this, as much people are calling for justice, you know, so the system understands that this is not going away and we're not going to be quiet and we're just not going to let you just tell us that no wrongdoing and no criminal activity happened here. So what, what, what would you want us to tell people? What can they do to help? Um, right now, I would just say, keep saying her name. We're working on her page to help navigate you guys a little bit more easier to, so I can give you our website to go straight to and start supporting that. But for right now, I would just say, keep saying her name, keep pushing her, her face out there. And that's all I really ask for is the support of everyone. Right. Because we've, we've watched people advocate for other, uh, families, um, and for other victims, survivors, all of that, we, we've done that. We as a community, a civil rights community, social justice community, as organizers, and just as everyday citizens, because there are times when even, even those of us who, who do this work professionally every day are not up on every case and everything that's happening, but the people will rise and make the world pay attention. And we all need to be neck and neck working together to support um, Tanisha Chappelle and your family. And so we have said until freedom is committed to uh, being engaged in this from the very early stages we were watching, we've already, like you said, attended a rally with you all um, and you know have been out there pushing the footage. I'm happy to see that people are starting to pick it up, that the story is getting out there, but it's not enough. It's not enough. We need an international outcry so that our federal government will step in and charge um, everybody involved in Tanisha Chappelle's uh, death and that that negligence that took place over several days, at least two days 
while she was in an Indiana jail. Now, let me just say this as, as we end this, uh, this interview, and again, thank you so much, Ronisha. When we were in Indiana, outside that jail, I could feel from the officers who was standing around the way that they were looking at us. And I don't know if you felt this, my son, or if you felt this, Ronisha, when you've been out there, but I could feel the energy of people who, could care, who couldn't care less and who had the ability, the, 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 the sickness to do what happened to Tanisha. Those officers were looking at us with a level of disdain and anger and evil um, that I haven't seen in a lot of places. Indiana is different. And a lot of people have been saying Indiana and the jails there in Indiana, they're different. And if our experience in Louisville, Kentucky, because Tanisha and you um, are from Louisville, right? You guys live in Louisville. When we were, when we participated in civil disobedience around the Breonna Taylor case there in Louisville and went to the jail, we could see how different it is from jails in other places around the country. So as you start getting to Louisville and Indiana, shit get real. It gets real. And, and what I'm hearing you say is that is that Tanisha suffered the whole time she was there, but particularly on those last few days, you were going to say something. You are absolutely correct. Um, Indiana, um, Jackson County, where we was at, like they, they show you they don't care openly because they never felt like they had an answer to no one. They maybe felt like a family wasn't going to come at them and stand up for their loved ones, but they show it. They blindly showed it to us several times. Mm. So this is why we should be standing up. We, we have to let them know, like, it, this won't keep happening and they won't get away with it. Like, I will keep using my voice. I will knock on every door. Mm. I will keep going. That's right. Yeah, the, 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 level of, the level of racism in that town was just crazy, just in the streets in general. But, you know, once again, we're here for you. We want to thank you for allowing us to be here for you, for showing up. You know, we want to thank you for your, your strength and let you know that we're going to continue to say her name and support you through it. So we just want to say thank you. Appreciate you a lot. Thank you, Renisha. Keep fighting, keep having that passion and keep on calling us to our best selves. You've been on me and I, I appreciate your truth and candor, but you know, I'm going to push back because that's what we do. Um, mm -hmm. And we're going to do that as we fight for your sister. And as you know, until freedom, we won't leave your side. Thank you. Thank you. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's how we own it! That's how we own it! So we just heard from uh, Ronisha Morrell, the strong, strong fighting advocate for her sister, Tanisha Chappelle. Um, and this next guest, um, as we've said, he's been on uh, Street Politicians in the past. We know him as the attorney that really has been fighting for the family of Breonna Taylor. And now he is the attorney for Tanisha Chappelle's family um, and is, is, you know, really trying to figure out why in the hell I'm saying it on his behalf that we keep going through this with Black women um, and being an, an advocate for us as Black women and, and these two Black women particularly. Um, and so we are glad to have Attorney Sam Aguiar with us today. And we really want to take the time uh, with you, Sam, to understand. We, we've already, we already know the story, right? People, we've walked through the story. We've been talking about it. Uh, this is not the first time that we've talked about Tanisha Chappelle on this show, but we are, we've got to figure out what is next when you have a district attorney finding no wrongdoing, even with seeing the videos. And I asked Ronisha today, um, did she, did, does she know whether or not uh, the district attorney saw all of the same videos? Because perhaps they didn't have the information. She said, as far as she knows, they did. That's what she said, right, my son? As far as she knows. Yep, that's what she said. So welcome to the show, first of all, again. 
And did they see those videos and then make the determination that there would be no criminal charges? Yeah, so, so thanks for having me. It's good to see all of y'all keeping, I, I love I love following everybody on the Until Freedom team and everybody on the Street Politicians team. Um, now let's get to business. So when we say a district's attorney, you know, these, these folks got to realize that we're not talking about somebody you think like up in New York, we're talking about, you know, Jackson County, Indiana. Um, you know, Jeffrey Shawfont there is probably one of five prosecutors. He's also the prosecutor that charged Tanisha initially. Um, to, to give you the quick answer to your question is, I, I highly doubt, Tamika, that he, he looked at a damn thing. I think that this was cooked from the beginning. I think that, you know, the sheriff, you see him online, he's buddies with the prosecutor. And then you look at this prosecutor, he's buddies with Indiana State Police. You know, I think that Indiana State Police probably put together a narrative that he then you know, uh, adopted. Um, and, and justice is not going to come from this guy or this county. Um, you know, this is the classic case, classic case for, you know, Title 18 USC 242 deprivation of rights under color of law, federal criminal civil rights violation. If you're willful, you know, and you, you make someone uh, suffer in violation of the fourth 14th, 15th Amendment, whatever it may be, you know, that's a crime. Mm. We've seen the video. That's what's going on here. It's criminal. Mm. It's actually it's actually unbelievable, you know. And and, and and that's what I was wondering. Like, what is the statute? So when you when you say those laws, there's literal statutes and laws that describe exactly what happened to Tanisha, Tanisha, right? So when you hear that, when you hear those, that's exactly what you just said is exactly what I seen as that woman laid inside that cell and screamed and cried and said she was dying and the neglect, the direct neglect and intentional neglect. And it seemed that it came from a personal face. It seemed like there was anger, like they just had a disdain for this young woman. It just seemed so intentional. It seems so intentional, my son. And, and yeah, I mean, the verbatim language is, you know, statute makes it a crime for any person acting under color of law. So that's our, you know, these are our officers. They're acting under color of law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom to willfully deprive or cause to be deprived from any person those rights, privileges, or immunities secured or protected by the Constitution and the laws of the United States. Everybody has a right to medical care. When mm. you're in the jail, if you need to see a doctor, you have a right to see that doctor. I mean, and you're exactly right. You watch this video and, you know, it'd be one thing, y'all, if we're talking about one guard who had it out for Tanisha and, you know, he's ignoring her request and we find out there's some personal vendetta shit that's still illegal, it's still a problem. But what's so wrong about this one is that it is systemic in there. I mean, you have female officers, you have male officers, you have inmates, you have a nurse, you have a jailer, you have all these people that don't give a shit that a black woman is dying right in front of them. It's, That's it's criminal. Disregard, you know, and the thing is they have a legal obligation to care, right? These officers and these nurses, they, they legally are bonded to care. Like uh, it's, it's, it's disgusting to hear the inmates who, you know, are dealing with probably their own mental trauma who are dealing with that, but they don't really have an obligation, right? But when we talk about these officers, legally they are obligated it's part of your job to make sure that someone gets 
medical attention. I've been, I'm formerly incarcerated and I understand that every time that we went to that bubble and said, hey, I need medical attention, they had to call and get us medical attention. They not to tell you that you have to wait, especially when you're telling them that it's a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. But what about- That's this, exactly right. But what about this narrative that, well, people, people fake sickness all the time and you know, we don't know who's telling the truth or who's not. I'm just, I want to make sure, Sam, that what you're saying, because I, and I, and when I say people, I'm not talking about what the jails say. I'm talking about on my own social media account. And when I've been talking to other people advocating for Tanisha, I've had people say to me, well, how would they know she was really sick? Because people fake all the time. What What's your response to that? Well, my response is a lot of things. You know, first of all, just to, just, yeah. Just to correct, uh, you know, or just to make sure people understand too, Tanisha was a pretrial detainee. So, you know, even if you were imprisoned and you're, you know, and you're convicted, you know, you start, you still have your constitutional rights. But Tanisha, she was just being held. She had every right that every human being outside of jail has. But this whole narrative that we hear of, oh, inmates might fake this, might fake that. We're not talking about 10 minutes of Tanisha here saying, I'm sick, my stomach, you know, take me to the hospital. And them saying, you know, we're talking about 830 at night. I'm throwing up blood. I've got the jail policies. I've got the American Correctional Association policies. Any policy that you pull up that's going to guide how nurses and doctors are supposed to do their job, tell you that blood and vomit is a big damn deal. Mm. Then we've got officers that see the vomit in the blood. Then we've got her jaundiced and turning yellow. Then we've got her literally stumbling trying to push something on the wall that she thinks is the call buzzer that's not the call buzzer while she's naked other than the fact that she's got you know her netties on that are covered you know in her green waist and she collapses on the ground this is you know this is basic humanity here you know this is basic humanity people with their pets would not let them suffer through that yet this woman right here was being looked at on camera she was looked at, being looked at by inmates. She was being looked at by guards. She was being looked at by a nurse. And they're all just turning their cheek and going the other way. So I don't want to hear that excuse from people that, oh, well, you know, you got to take inmates, you know, you can't take them at face value because they're all saying they're sick. This woman was sick. This woman was My sick. nine-year-old could have looked at her and said, daddy, she needs to go to the hospital now. And, and, wow. and, 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 and that's, a, that's some bullshit, right? If, if I say I'm sick, you don't get determined whether I'm I'm telling the truth or not. That's that's part of the job. Every time an inmate, a prisoner, it says that they're sick, it's your job to find out whether they're sick or not. And that's and part of the job. Is the, like, did the nurse see her? Who gets did, the the nurse, did the nurse see her physically? Oh, let's talk about this nurse. So first of all, he's, you know, I've talked to like 50 former inmates in this place. And, you know, they all got things that kind of bounce around a little bit. But the one common theme is that this nurse is a piece of shit, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, he does not care about these people in this jail. And, you know, he's an LPN, so he's not even an RN. So, but yet they got him in there playing doctor. And he gets, it sucks to make it, but I mean, you you know, you know, these cases, it always, you know, you always see a racial component. You always see a financial component, you know, and in this right here, you know, there is a, you know, there is deliberate indifference to her because of the color of her skin, period. But there's also this nurse in this jail that, charge 15 bucks a pop for everything they do. So what they do is they'll, you know, they'll, they'll pretend to be looking at you, but then they'll say, come on in later. So they can charge them $15 a pop. Well, with her, you know, 
this nurse, just so you know, two people call, they, you know, they reached out to the nurse the night before she died and said, Hey, we got two people complaining of illness. One's got chest pain. The other one's vomiting blood. He sends the white person to the hospital and tells her, you know, says Tanisha's just got to wait till the morning. Um, the nurse comes in to see her at 845 and she immediately sell, says to him, I've got sickle cell disease. I've got ulcers. We got the recording. You can hear it. She's barely audible. He doesn't give a damn. He says, okay, you know, make sure somebody brings her, you know, a Pepto-Bismol or a Tylenol or something. Then he leaves. He's gone after that for hours. But then he does come back at 2.30. And you know what he does? He says, put your clothes on so I can come out here, you know, walk out here so I can see you. Well, she can't. She can't physically do it. So then he comes back and he yells at her. Mr. Chappelle, get your clothes on. She can't do it. So the third time, you got to put your clothes on and get out here or I'm just going to go back and do my thing. And Tamika, he... That's exactly what he did. He went on to doing his damn thing because she was sitting there so weak on camera exactly. where she could not get up. And that's it. He doesn't see her again. That's it. Those were, two, those were his interactions with her that day, period. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's, it's completely disgusting. Just, just hearing this, like, yeah. to literally see it is worse. But just hearing this, it's just like, what kind of human being? Like, what, what, where have we, how do we travel so far from morality and, you know, this moral compass that we should have as human beings that, that shit like this is just okay? But it's not a far, it's not, it's not traveling far. Unfortunately, we as Black people have experienced this type of murder and abuse since we first were trafficked here to this country. And it hasn't ended. And the prison system has been a continuation of that abuse. And what is really startling to me, Sam, is that they knew there were cameras and they still did this with it all being recorded. That didn't change for them like, well, we have to be more careful on camera. They still basically killed this woman right there in broad daylight with it being taped. Now, let me just ask you, and I know you have to go because we, we want to get one more thing from you, but what now? So I know we said the feds have to get involved, but what type of charges are we looking for to be filed? You know, uh, or to, you know, to, to how, who, how do the indictments work? Like if you had it perfectly, what would you see happening here? Yeah, if I, so if I had this perfectly, you know, it would be filed under the statute that I just gave you which is a deprivation of rights. It's a, you know, think civil rights from a criminal standpoint. You know, calls to action, DOJ. They've got, you know, they like to keep, hold their cards close to their chest. I know that there's people in there looking at it. Um, you know, the sheriff runs for reelection this year. His mm -hmm. ass needs to go. You know, he needs to go. Um, you know, Tanisha was in there, put in there on a $50,000 bond. Then Indiana needs a damn bond schedule. I mean, she she was charged with shoplifting and running from a police officer to pull the gun on her. She got hit with a $50,000 bond. There needs to be a bond schedule in, in Indiana. People need to be able to get out. Um, you know, there's there's definitely, hopefully, justicefortanisha.com should be up by the weekend, and it'll have a call to action um, where people can definitely just at least consent to, you know, or not consent, but authorize sending emails and mailers and just putting some pressure on because there's just not enough pressure right now. 
Yeah, there's not enough pressure. Not at all. Not, not to all my right. liking, man. I just think that, like I said, the world should be screaming bloody murder, man. It, the way that this woman was treated and not treated is just unacceptable, man. So, you know, you know, you got us, Sam. You know, we're going to be right here. We've already committed to the family that we're going to make sure that we're yelling and screaming. And whoever's, whoever will listen, we're going to let them know about this situation. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, we, pre- we appreciate y'all so much. Long live Tanisha Chappelle's memory. And may we all fight for her the way we fought for everyone else um, because she deserves it. And we cannot allow ourselves to, to, to claim this mindset that, well, you know, she was in jail. So it's different from, no, it's not different. It is the same because if you let these people tell the story, Breonna Taylor was a, a drug uh, queen pen somehow. George Floyd was had counterfeit money and was on drugs uh, every time. I mean, I could go. Ahmaud Arbery was uh, committing some type of crime. Dante, he had dirty toenails. You know, that, right, that's what dirty toenails. Dante Wright, uh, you know, was, he had something in the car, and then everybody's a criminal. Everybody's a criminal. They see every Black person as a criminal, and they try to tell that story first. Even Botham John wasn't in the right apartment. I mean, every time they come up with something. And speaking of Breonna Taylor, before you go, if you could just give us a few moments on what's been happening with Brett Hankinson and this trial, this, this, kangaroo court situation that's going on there in Louisville. Um, we, we appreciate that little update. Yeah, it's a good little segue. You're talking about the, the police playbook, you know, following, um, you know, they'll, they'll murder, you know, a black woman or a black man. And then all of a sudden they spend, you know, the first 15 minutes just demonizing the, you know, the, you know, the, the dead victim. Um, what we got is demonizing going on in the Hankinson court right now. I mean, don't forget this case is being tried by the same attorney general's office that, you know, the same Daniel Cameron's office that pulled that shit in September of 2020 that, that, you know, puts him at the bottom, you know, if I had a shit list, like he's, he's literally number one. Um, And, and when we talk about, you know, what's going on over there, it's a sham Tamika. I mean, you know, it should be a two hour, you know, it should be a two hour trial at max. You get a couple of, you know, a couple of firearms people up there to say um, they're trained, you know, to have, target acquisition and not shoot blindly. And this dude just shot through a door, you know, they couldn't see it was reckless should be convicted. Instead, what they're doing over there is they're putting on things allowing people to say that to me, you'll love this one. They put on, they literally tried to say that Tamika Palmer and her family, because they had access to the apartment afterwards, they're trying to insinuate that there was money and dope in there and that they stole it out of it. That's wow. what's going on in this shit show of a trial right now. It is unbelievable. Mm. But what does that have to do? Because first of all, to be clear, this is not a trial that really has anything to do with Breonna Taylor at all. Nothing. Except Nothing. the fact that it happened, um, you know, the night that she was murdered. But this is about, what is it called? Endan- what is that? I, I just learned that. It's, it, it's, it's about wanting endangerment for three bullets going into, the, going into the white neighbor's park going into the white neighbor's apartment that's what brett hankinson is on trial for now and what you're saying is that they are focused on still brianna's family trying to criminalize them still trying to criminalize brianna taylor rather than 
a clear and concise focus on what they charged him with, which is shooting recklessly through the walls. It's crazy. I, you know, I talked to, I got a message from our, our, our girl, Anita Baker yesterday, you know, and she was like, you know, and she made a good observation. It's almost like the attorney general is trying to allow a case to go on. We'll let all this stuff come in that may exonerate them from criminal scrutiny in the federal in a federal investigation. It's crazy. Like, it's absolutely crazy. It's um, it's he's a sellout. It's a sham. But it's also very strategic. Thank you, Sam. We appreciate right, pre appreciate you, Sam. Appreciate you all. Keep up the fight, man. We love you, man. We'll see you guys soon, hopefully. Yes, you will. Yeah. All right. Likewise, we love you. See y'all. Bye. That's how we own it. That's how we own it. It's just don't make no sense, man. You know, like it's this, a lot. It's, it's just a lot, man. We like you know. We, we have to deal with so, we have so many different fights on so many different fronts every day. We go from Brianna, Tanisha, and you know, the, the black women, you know, we talking about Meg, it just, it, it hurts me that black women have to deal with so much. It, it hurts me that the, the disregard for black women is so high. And I get dudes on here like, oh, you be over here simping. It just, it's not simping, it's just, just basic human what does nature. Simping mean? I don't even know what that simping means. Simping means that you just, you know, that you're trying to, that you're, um, you're being played by a woman. You soft. You letting, you know, you you just trying to kiss up to a woman. You want to, you know, you want, you just want women to think that you're on their side. You want to, you're easy. You're pushover for a woman. That's what it is. Pretty much being a, a pushover for a woman. And it's, for me, it's like we supposed to be the protectors of our women. So like, why would, why would somebody have a problem with that? You know, like, of course, I'm a sip, call me what you want, but a woman should be feel protected in your presence. And when they don't feel protected in our presence, when they feel like they're in danger in our presence, then that's when we doing something wrong with me. But hey, what do I know? You know, what do I know? I don't know. I mean, I'm like, maybe it's, sometimes I really do question my own thinking and my own discernment. Because I'm really trying to say, like, if, if if how can you hear everything that has been said, see the videos, and understand the situation, and then not just be a full consensus that a, cr a crime was committed? But evidently, that's not the case. So, you know, Tanisha Chappelle deserves better, and we all need to be standing up for her, for her honor. And, um, and really there are so many other people who are in these jails that if we fight for Tanisha Chappelle, it will change uh, the, the, the circumstances of others if we're able to shake this system up. This can't, if they win this, they will kill another and another and another. And it's happening right now as we're sitting here. Um, but if we, don't, if we don't make this a big deal and we don't use, Tanisha Chappelle as a catalyst for like a real expose of what's going on in Indiana and across the nation, then I don't know what our movement really means. You're 100% right. And on, on a lighter note, right? Because this has been a, like a very, very heavy episode, you know, and a lot to unpack. But I just, for my, I don't get it, right?
I do not get. Why in the hell do the Knicks keep destroying players? Like, why do you, like, what the hell is going on with the Knicks? Every time a dope player, we get the best players and they come to the Knicks and it's always turmoil for me. It just never fails. Like, yo, what the hell is wrong with the Knicks? My brother Kimba Walker, man, like Kimba is now, they saying that he's agreed to sit out for the rest of the season. He's probably had his worst season in his whole career being with the Knicks. Came in here at the top. It's like, what is it? I just do not get what kind. And I think it's because of what they did to Patrick Ewan. Yeah. Mm. Ever since y'all did not let Patrick Ewan into that office, he didn't give him a coaching job. And he got to get hired at somewhere else. He had to go somewhere else. Now he's at Georgia. Since y'all did not let Patrick Ewan into that office, it's been downhill ever since, man. They did it tomorrow. Like all of the players that I love went to the Knicks and they pretty much destroyed their careers. How long ago was the Pat? How long ago was the Patrick Ewan thing? Patrick Ewan was in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? In like the mid 90s. I forgot what exactly when, but Ewan was one of the best players there, you know, and he when he retired in the 90s, he was supposed to he wasn't supposed to have to go nowhere else to get a job. They never hired Patrick Ewing. He's probably one of the most famous Knicks in history. And y'all would not hire Patrick Ewing. And Carmen said, okay, we're going to get your ass. Every player that come here, like, like Celie said, till you do right by me, everything you even think about is going bad. You know, and it's just terrible, man. Shout out to my brother, Kimber Walker, man. I know it's frustrating to come home, being a Bronx native and coming home you come home to your town and you're like, yeah, I want to play for my team. I want to bring, and then not even a whole season, like not even a whole season. And this is what happens, man. The Knicks, Knicks got to do better, man. The Knicks well, listen, here's what better. I want to say. The karma, definitely. I, I like the fact that you raised Patrick Ewan as a part of the karma. Uh, I didn't know that history, but um, it's important to note that the 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 Knicks, their ownership, Jim Dolan. This is a man who has actively been engaged in oppressive behavior towards black and brown people, even outside of sports. Okay. That's a history we ain't got time to talk about today. But people should look Jim Dolan up and really understand the type of person that he is and the shady business that he has been involved in in New York and around the nation. Remember, he owned uh, Cablevision um, and the workers who were fighting there for their rights. It's been a lot. And so I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I think the Patrick Ewan pieces, I didn't even know that. And that's like giving me new perspective. And it actually helps me to, it double down, it doubles down on my theory about Dolan. But I think when people do some research on who Jim Dolan is, you might actually come away and say, this guy is um, part of the problem because the energy of the Knicks um, is not, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. So, you know, maybe, maybe our theory is wrong, but I think it's, it's more to be said. I don't think it's just a sports thing. I think it's a God thing. Listen, that's what karma is. Karma is God just talking to you. God saying, okay, look, I'm gonna get you back now. You ain't gonna get away with nothing. You might not get in the wash. You gonna get in the rinse, man. So, Man, shout out to Kimba again, man. Knicks, y'all better get this omen. Y'all need to get some, some sage, 
They need somebody. They need sage outside the garden or something because it just it just don't make no sense, man. It don't make no sense. And now it's time for us to go, man. Another powerful episode. We appreciate all our guests, Ronisha, um, Sam Aguiar, you know, and just I know that y'all watched this video. And if you were watching it, you know, if you listening, then you did you heard. But if you were watching it and seeing the visuals of this video, which is really just compelling, man. We got to continue to say Tanisha Chappelle's name. We make we need the world to fight that to fight to make sure that she receives justice and the people who allowed her and pretty much get steered her towards her death need to be held accountable. You know, so please make sure that we, we, we saying her name and you're doing everything. If you got a social media, I don't care what you do, make sure that you're saying her name and making and tagging your favorite artist, your favorite um, athlete, everybody. We need everybody talking about Tanisha Chappelle because she deserves to be, get the justice and, and deserves for her name to be spoken and deserves for have accountability for what happened to her. So, Chief. Once again, I'm not gonna always be right. Tamika Mary's not gonna always be wrong, but we both always, and I mean always, be authentic. That's how we own it. Salute. That's how we own it. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. That's how we own it. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.